Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Indie Film Cafe. I'm your old pal the Moo Cow, aka Paul A. Presenza, and today <laughs> I am joined by the coughing Jonathan Moody. <clears throat> Outstanding. And we are both joined by Joe Turek. No coughing yet, maybe later. Uh, I hope not. Hope not. Go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not a that's not a good sign if that happens. I know. Well, we might need some coffins because the movie we are about to watch might just kill us. <laughs> oh god, I thought you were saying it was another vampire movie or no. something. No. Well, there's sort of a vampire in there, kind of sort of. Um you wanted me to get a really stinky movie for our buddy here, Joe Torek, and um, I think I'm up to the task because we're going back into the way, way back machine, all the way back to 1983 for the legendary, terrible, stinky movie, because it was time, Geek Maggot Bingo <gasps> from Nick Yay! Yes. Oh, man, I've been wanting to watch this and yes. movie. And now I have not heard of it, but um, I'm sure I'm about to I'm about to be indoctrinated into the world of it. <laughs> well, he's been talking about this movie for a while, and oh, sadly, yeah. we oh, yeah. sadly Nick Zed is no longer with us this year. He passed away. Yep, yep, yep. And I have a bunch of Nick Zed movies. This is the first one, though. To get, on, get you guys on your Nick Zed adventure, you have to start off at the beginning. I know Gary's sad. He won't be joining us for I this. I know. He loves and hates this movie. <laughs> well, 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 well. And to give you an idea, there's no geeks, nor maggots, nor bingo in this film. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? But there's just about everything else you can possibly think of. But we will come back and talk about all of that goodness right after some moon music. And now we have returned from watching the film where we can now discuss... The movie Geek Maggot Bingo. Gentlemen, please enlighten me. What did you think of this movie? I think you just did a really good impression of uh, Dr. Frankenberry, you know, from this movie. Yeah, wow, that's, that was good. Thank you. I, I think you could have fit... Oh, actually, it was better probably than what some of I, that stuff we saw in there. But, um. I know. Like, you could have written the movie, you know? Like, <laughs> wow. Wow. I think a child could have written the movie better. <laughs> I don't know. What did you guys think? Joe, come on. What did you think? Well, there was always this running joke that you guys were going to try to... I, I've been lucky. Um, I've been lucky in the past with some of these. Uh, so um, uh, I think my luck's run out. <laughs> finally has. <laughs> it finally has happened. Um, yep. uh, but I mean, I'm here and it's like, it's like we didn't even have, it's like Continuity Monkey took a vacation on today. <laughs> he was <laughs> too ashamed to show yeah. up. TNA Monkey was around, but he was grossed out, I think. And he, he left. Yeah, there was there, some stuff in that that was. Um, there was TNA. There was and, TNA and, and D. D. And Dangle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there was there was a lot. There were bits and pieces. And, bits, uh, and pieces. <laughs> bits and pieces. It's yeah. pretty much what you can say about this whole movie. Tibbles there was bits and, and bit. pieces. Tibbles and bits. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, I don't even know where to start though, really. Well, I guess we'll He's gonna go into some background. Yeah, I'll do okay. some background. So Geek Maggot Bingo, nineteen eighty three, Nick Zed, also known as the freak from Suck Weasel Mountain. You know, just like the uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie. Um I'm kidding. Uh, so, yeah, by Nick Zed, uh, he's an artist, filmmaker, writer, painter, um, and he came from that sort of underground New York uh, 70s, early 80s thing that spawned the likes of, uh, you know, Richard Kern, Lydia Lunch, uh, just a whole bunch of different people. Um, Jim Jarmish, Abel Ferreira. You're saying good people. You're putting yeah. good names and you're mixing it up with Nick Zed. Yeah, I know. So Nick Zed, I'm just saying he came <laughs> from that group. He And he's part of that underground, no wave, new wave scene. His thing is that he created what he calls the cinema of transgression, which is to say puts weird shit out there to freak you out. So that's kind of his claim to fame. And that's most of his movies. This is his first. And um, Oh, this was his first? Yeah, this is where it all begins. <laughs> where it all, and it just goes downhill from there. Downhill from there. <laughs> so, so it wasn't his last. I mean, there was oh, no. no. There was, oh, there was no. A, he, had, oh, no. he had a handful of artistic endeavors after this? 
You could say that. You, uh, artistic of a kind. Uh, you know, art is subjective, I guess. Yeah. In this case, subjective to the wallet, because clearly there was no money spent on this whatsoever. Yeah. This was... Um, this is a movie with painted sets, uh, painted props, painted telephones. Uh, they actually tried to use the one. I know, and then they're like, "Oh, it, it's unplugged," you know. Just, and, and they said it, it didn't. They, they knew why it didn't work because it wasn't plugged in. <laughs> not, no, not because the, it was, not the fact that it was a cardboard painted design. cardboard. Right, but you know they try to justify whatever. Yes. Oh my David God. David the Rock Nelson at least had a real telephone. Yeah, that's true. He never had painted sets that made no sense whatsoever. No, no. If he went outside, he went outside. If he went in his house, he went in his house. There was no, there was no <laughs> painted set, so which makes no ridiculous. sense whatsoever. So, the movie is basically kind of like Frankenstein, kind of like Frankenstein meets Dracula, kind of like I, you know, some like you were saying, some of the universal horror things. Well, I mean, they had. Look, they had Frankenstein, which was Frankenberry, uh, which I must have been after the Frankenberry serial came out. He was just like, that'd be funny to have Dr. Frankenberry or whatever. Because it's funny. Because he thinks it's funny, but it's like, okay. Um, there's no real joke with it or anything. It's just like, oh, he's called Dr. Frankenberry. Um, then they've got, uh, well, you call them Quasimodo. So he, they have a hunchback. They have a Dracula. They have... Scumbelina, uh, the vampire queen. Well, yeah, so she's sort of like the Dracula kind of character, I guess, or whatever. Uh, they have a uh, uh, Renfield, uh, who is the the guy with the uh, gecko. No, I was no. That's that's, that's the hunchback. That's hunchback. So I'm thinking the uh, the the Renfield was the um, the other guy, the other vampire. Oh, Flavian. Yeah, Flavian. And so they have all like the mixtures of the the the. The Universal horror films with a cowboy, with a cowboy thrown in. Just <laughs> why not? At that point, they they were just fucking around anyway. And then they have a creature like a um. They they have the Frankenstein monster, which was you know the formaldehyde man. Formal, formaldehyde man. So they had everything, you know, and the kitchen sink. Right. But the kitchen mm. sink is painted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had to have a painted kitchen sink. Um. So, yeah, a lot of these guys, a lot of these filmmakers were inspired from the early mid-70s Andy Warhol, who put out a whole bunch of really weird stinkers, and we are going to do some Andy Warhol movies. We just haven't fun. gotten to it yet, because I have this giant list of movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, Flavian has sort of a, a Warhol type of, the way the yeah, hair was, the, yeah. the white hair over top of the, you can see the, the dark roots um, his hair sticking out from underneath there, but yeah, yeah Andy Warhol. It was just yeah, so like a, yeah, he had an Andy Warhol look to him. Yeah. yeah, and Andy Warhol's movies were known for you know their artistic use of not having any money whatsoever and just kind of throwing a bunch of weird shit out there. Is that really artistic use, or is that just it's, poor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much just poor. <laughs> I mean, uh, th that's the thing I don't understand about this sort of thing is like. It, you know, and it goes with art too. Like when people just put finger paintings and they make this little crappy thing and then they say, this is the new art, you know, like what? I don't get it. <laughs> like, I really don't. I don't understand I any know. of that. It's a lot of it is, is kind of a send up of that kind of thinking. Um, but it's also a lot of, you know, this is what we've got. So we're going to go with it. You know, that's yeah, that seems so, to be about it. Nick Zed, he's done a number of other things. Um, he's also done, let's see, so uh, 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 They Eat Scum is the one that I wanted to show you guys, but that's a, a tiny bit more polished, so we'll save that one for another season. Oh, yeah, because, well, I mean, once again, we, we had mentioned that the, the whole idea was that Paul was supposed to pick something really bad, really terrible, and stinky, and so to, to poor Joe, because Joe's <laughs> never gotten you it before. Insisted. I know, I said it because Joe and also never has always said, he's always gotten good movies, you know, we had, yeah, uh, we had Game, Game Box, Box and, and, uh, and, and No Retreat, No Surrender yeah. wasn't bad, you know, it wasn't great, but it was bad, and then... You know, so he hasn't, and I think, were you in season three at all? There was there was one other one I, I remember. I, I can't remember what I mean, exactly you've heard, I'm sure, Moody, talk about some of the movies that I've shown him. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm sure you were a little bit yeah. curious. Yeah, and he never he he missed out on um, Neil Breen. There so you, go. you know, this is this is your. It was time, especially since it turned out that Nick Zed passed away in February. Yeah, so we talked year. about that this year. Is when we found out he passed away. I said, you gotta do. So yes, you gotta do Geek Mag and Bingo uh, and in, in memoriam of, of Nick Zed. You know, God bless him. He did his thing, and he just didn't care what anybody else and thought. Other than maybe Joe Lynn or Ashley, you know, who could you? show this to you know uh, it's hard to say hard to say but in addition so yeah he made a number of things then he he got up with somebody by the name of reverend jen miller and they made a bunch of weird crazy stuff um and she's wait, a lot of fun weirder than this yeah <laughs> so wait this she wasn't in this no no she, no, no, no. she, she comes on later this. on um and then he continued to to make stuff uh, i have some of his later films one is called uh, war is a menstrual envy i i Gave that to, showed that to Gary. War, war is menstrual envy. Yeah. It's part of this whole transgressive cinema thing that he likes to do. In your just, face, crazy stuff. And then the titles have to be weird or out there or whatever. You know, it's you know. just the thing. So it just goes to show you, geek, maggot, bingo. There's no geeks, there's no maggot, there's no bingo. But it's, it's, a, it's a title to sort of get you thinking about stuff or to sort of Well, you know, there was Geeko. So that that's the only connection I can put in. Is there's Gecko. a guy named, well, <laughs> his Gecko. real name was Gecko apparently, but the guy they kept calling him Gecko. Yeah, I'm like, how do you argue about somebody's name? Like, yeah. I, I, if I called you Pool, that was the young, and you're like, the young my name's Frankenstein thing. If I'm like, I called you Pool, and you're like, my name is Paul. I'm not gonna go. No, it's Pool. You uh, know, <laughs> like, some people might. Some people might, but. I guess I'll talk a little bit about the people that were involved in this film. So, Dr. Frankenberry was played by Robert Andrews. He's our, our dinner theater actor extraordinaire. The guy that I kind of imitated a little bit, although I did no justice to his acting skills whatsoever. His amazing acting skills. Amazing. Over-the-top, scenery-chewing. And he, he had some... He went off into some different monologues. I mean, he was just going on in tangents and using all sorts of big words that he could. And it just and. And I don't think any of it sometimes even made sense. It just was all thrown in. Drugs are bad, Mkai. We should do drugs, Mkai. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We, we couldn't figure out if this was the script that he just memorized and just vomited back, or he was just making up shit as he was going on. There was one time in particular I did see him look down, and it looked like he was looking at the script. That was How, at the beginning. I in think. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I never saw him do it again. You said he does it again, but I never saw him do it again. Well, Didn't it's notice hard it. to tell because you really can't see a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The lighting is so poor. Sometimes it's like lit by a flashlight, and that's yeah. about it. And sometimes lighting being bad was a good thing. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to see what could be in the, yeah. what, what was actually in the light we might I not have hear you. <laughs> but he's playing this sort of dime store Bella Lugosi mad scientist what did you call person. him something uh, the theater uh, yeah, dinner, dinner theater, theater Bella, Bella Lugosi, Lugosi. <laughs> which was true like but way 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 over the top but he only did one and done for whatever reason this is his only this is this his only is film IMDB credit oh man if he's still alive we gotta get him I seriously absolutely he was just amazing hey just if he had to memorize all that and spout it out in character even if it's crazy and over the top I'm still impressed by that yeah and he stayed pretty much in character that was one thing you were saying during it, Jonathan, about how the the character he he stayed in character, and that through the entire film there was character. The characters became something. Yeah, yeah. the The characters were characters, you know, and that's what I said because like every person was a specific thing, and they absolutely went with it. Right, you know, right. there was a cowboy, there was a doctor, there was a Igor, there was a you know all that shit, and so that was. That was the plan, you know. Right. But well, and you have to wonder: is his performance? How much of that is is Nick Zed, and how much of that is Robert Andrews? Or is it together? Did he just say, "Go crazy, folks"? Or you know? Well, there is one time that the the cowboy asked for some direction. Yes. So <laughs> maybe some of the time he, he did. He did say something like, "Nick, um, direction, please." Yeah. yeah. As he was as falling as down into as the he background. Because <laughs> it was like. I, but it was so funny because the character was supposed to be drunk, I guess. Yeah. And so it was just like, okay. And that brings us to our second actor. That is Richard Hell playing the Rawhide Kid. Now, Richard Hell 
was a punk musician and singer and guitar bass player actually um, from the original uh, punk scene in the 70s. So he mm. was in television. He did his own band called Richard Hell and the Voidoids. And he showed up in a couple of films, and he actually pops into a Hollywood movie. He's actually in Desperately Seeking Susan, of all oh, wow. things. I know. Because that I believe that movie was shot in New York, and you know he was part of that. And that New was York a punk scene thing. movie, there was, right? Yeah, there was kind of yeah. a punk thing going on with that, too. Yeah. So he is definitely involved in all that, and he's actually his bands were really good. I saw that so many years ago, yeah. but I do remember it being like uh, her dressed up like a punk right, yeah. kind of thing. So. Right, right, right. And um, I believe now he um, he just he think he's a writer and, and he was a cowboy. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's a cowboy now. He, he, he plays changed. a cowboy. <laughs> he was a cowboy. You know the whole uh, Ron tootin, rope shooting. Here's you know rope up the doggies kind of thing. With, yeah, and, every and with those little cap guns. <laughs> yeah, and the whole time he's just like you know saying yeah he's saying all these cowboy lingo and you were like you, you looked at us like yeah as, as cowboys always say these <laughs> the all these what what were they like uh just total cliches i i don't know yeah every darn tootin you know blah 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 you got you a know. mosey over here mosey on down mm. and, you and know. he had his lasso going that's right constantly he d- and he was not very good at lassoing <laughs> yeah. but well, he got he got geeko gecko pretty good. He did, but then but he tried to he get the formaldehyde. He had trouble with the took a few times. He had trouble with the two-headed formaldehyde. Yeah. <laughs> he, he tried that a couple times, but it didn't really work out, you know. Then we have Scumbelina the Vampire Queen, played by Donna Death, who was the executive producer and who did a lot of different stuff on the caterer. film. Caterer. Yeah, she's yeah. the caterer. She's the caterer. Uh, she uh, did a whole bunch of extra things. So Yeah, she oh, she was also like, uh, there was like four lighting people or something, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah, whatever. Four different flashlights. Flur- yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's funny because she does her whole thing mute. So she doesn't actually say any dialogue in the entire thing. Her, her powers, quote-unquote, come from her moving her hand around. Which know. was very Vampira in Plan yeah, 9, right? Yeah. Like, Vampira didn't say a word, and she did a good job. So I think it would have been interesting had they gotten Vampira to play that role because well, Vampira was still around. I'm just curious if it was the same reason. I think Vampira just didn't want to say anything because she, she wanted to have as little to do with the production as possible. Well, no, but it was, shouldn't be the same thing because Donna put like a lot of work into this movie, you know what I mean? She probably put the 20 bucks that cost all the props. You know? Right. Well, I mean, she was executive producer, so she paid for something, you know, or whatever. The, the, the painting for the set design. Yeah. Yeah. Painting yeah. for the set like designs the, or the, the, the actual really well, cool, I, cool death scenes. I know that she was one of the painters who painted the sets. Okay. So, yeah. Him and, her and Formaldehyde Man. Yep, 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 yep. from Malahide Man did a well, set. They did spend a little bit on that that the skull scene towards the end. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that that's probably was uh, they they did a little bit on that. And don't forget the bat on the string. <laughs> bat on a string. I love that. You get to see that a few times. That was fun. Oh. And then we have Buffy, played by uh, Brenda Bergman. What did you think of Buffy, the do- the the doctor's daughter? We saw a little bit too much of her. We saw her boobs, <laughs> her butt, and her bush. Bees. Pretty Buffy. much all the time. <laughs> yep, Buffy, all Buffy. of it. Yep. She, Buffy, she was in the buff. She had this weird kind of acting ability where she was like, shove away all of your nose. And she would just <laughs> do this twitchy, weird kind of performance. It was just very strange. I mean, look, she was not ugly or anything. Like, she wasn't, like, you know what I mean? She's she, grotesque. She, I don't think so. I didn't she think she was that way, terrible. She way, way too much makeup uh, on. That's true. She did put too much just, makeup on. But was the makeup... Her or was it that was she told to do that? I think that was probably part of the character. We were talking before about how sort of it was John Waters like, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything, Pink Flamingos ish. And I kind of got a little bit of a divine sense from her, even though she was a real woman, you know, that played her. Like, just kind of this, like, she was supposed to be this sort of... Uh, yeah, I believe she was supposed to be over the top. Yeah. And over the top is definitely what she was. Yeah, well, it looks like she was pretty tortured on the set. I mean, from all the different... From whether it was Gecko sniffing up on her, touching her backside. Or her, or her as, father throwing her in the freezer. <laughs> as, <laughs> as an actor, I didn't think she was that bad. I mean, I found her twitchy, strange, nose, nasally performance odd, but she was okay. I was believing her as the daughter, and um, she was all right, I thought. Yeah. In this, in this production, she probably, you would say she fit into and that production. I don't believe she ever did anything else, like most of the people involved in this, 
which is kind of strange. I'd love to know more about her, so someday I'll do some research. Well, on the IMD, it actually has a picture of her. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. I mean, versus I think there's only one or two of them that have pictures, and the rest mm. of them, there's no pictures for her, So Then we have her lover, Flavian, uh, the one who gets turned into, yeah, has the stupid wig and gets turned into a vampire. He's played by Gumby Spangler, and I'm almost positive that is probably not a real name. <laughs> really? You don't think yeah. Gumby Spangler? That is weird, though, because, like, later there's another Spangler yeah. that became very famous. Yeah. Uh, the 1984. Mm-hmm. So 1982, you said they this was? ripped off Nick Zed. So rip, so are you saying Reitman and them ripped off there Nick Zed? Poss- possibly. Dan Aykroyd. I mean, it's a, uh, was a uh, it's Ghostbusters New was New York. Right. I mean, so who knows? The oozing out of the, the, oozing out of the eyes and stuff of, the, of that skull thing and... Maybe yeah. I don't know. Like, but he's another guy that I, I I know nothing about. Of course, if we ever found out his real name, he might turn out to be somebody. But I I don't know. He I thought was the worst actor of the bunch, though. He, he was just bad. He was bad, but you know, like just very flat delivery. Thank God lines. he wasn't really in it much. You know, like it. Honestly, that sounds terrible. But like I. <laughs> I, I I just was glad he wasn't in it a lot, you know. He was in it when he when he whatever when he needed to be. But then he was saying so uh, so many odd things. You were pointing that out. Like he would be like a lot of odd lines. He, like he would be like, and then I leave. Yeah, and now it's time to leave. And you were like, what? Why did you? Say why that? did you, you just, just say that? Like, why don't you leave? You nobody know, does that? <laughs> like nobody just tells people what they're about to do before and they do. Now I will scratch my ear. And now <laughs> we will continue the podcast. <laughs> I know it's just so weird. <laughs> so yeah, he gets a lot of strange throwaway lines, and just his flat delivery makes it. St- Stick out uh, like a sore thumb, even worse. He, uh, and he stared at it, like he stared at the camera sometimes, like he, like sort of had yeah. movement towards it. It was just like, and, and his mean, mouth was always open. Yeah, it was a bit odd. <laughs> no, it was it was strange. Yeah. Oh, and let's not forget when he's getting attacked. He's like, oh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh, yeah, it was bad. It was terrible. <laughs> he was he was the worst. Yes. Uh, let's see. Then we have Dean Quagmire, the uh, a guy in the beginning. He turns out to be Flavian's father. He's, Which we didn't know anything he's about. He's played by uh, Jim Giacoma. And he has, like, he sort of annoyed me because he was like, I saw my son in your, uh, in your backyard in the woods, you know, and then he disappeared. I'm like, why didn't we see that? Like, why tell us this? <laughs> it's too why? expensive to show. What? No! Go out and show it. That's easy shit, you they know? They didn't even... Well, New York City, so there are no woods unless you go to, to uh, Central Park, and they probably couldn't well, they already know, had afford to paint it. They already had the painted cardboards for right, those. Right, right. But so I'm just the, annoyed. The woods was just painted shit. I know. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you see, this goes back to like in uh, colony uh, territory yeah. where... Where they had they had woods, but they just made fake woods, you know, or whatever. I mean, you can go into the woods and sh- it's free. Woods, it's free. Well, yeah, you had the fake woods where you had the tree that that that, that fell over or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, why do you like do that? Duct tape and, uh, and and cardboard. Well, I mean, and especially when those fall over and it looks fake from mm. that, why don't you just go in the woods and just shoot? I mean, I mean, I would think that Nick Zed would tell you that this is all part of his master plan as being this transgressive horror film, but I'm thinking now it's more along the lines of this is what they could afford. They can't afford to go in the woods? Like, I don't get it. Well, Those... there are no woods in New York City, like I said, so unless it's Central Park, and uh, I think you've got to have yeah, 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 yeah. to shoot there. God, that's right. Well, they could have uh, just ran over to Jersey for an afternoon or something. Or, yeah, exactly. Or just outside the city there, limits or there something. There are trees elsewhere in the world. Yeah. So yeah. You could take a, a day and just go out there, shoot this, you know, second unit or something, and then come back. But I think there was only one or two scenes that actually was outside of a building. Because they came yeah. outside the one shot, it got, it got so bright, and it was just like, Whoa. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Unless every other time they'll just show, like, a painting of whatever we're going to. Like, here's the castle that this guy lives in, apparently, and whatever, you well, know. It opened with the showing of the one house or something, or the one where the, where the two guys met and just was talking. And, and it was just like, with, with, with the best actor of, of them all was that cat. With the oh, cat yeah, yeah, is yeah. the best Poor actor. Got put in that bag though. Aww. It was it was kind of brutal how they treated. Poor kitty. So then we have the monster formaldehyde man, played by Tyler Smith, who 
he ended up doing a lot of the paintings and a lot of the props and stuff like that. And apparently, he actually had a little bit of a career. He did um, set art and props for things like he was in Sid and Nancy and did some of the work for oh, that. He that did, makes sense. Uh, some stuff for School Days. I think he he did some sculpting for that. School Days was that the well, Spike Lee? Yeah, well, okay. that's New York. So that, that was New then, York. Um, Tales from the Dark Side. Like, he did some work for them. Okay. Oh, the one with, so with is he still alive? Is he still kicking? I think so. Okay. Think so. Cool. Well, good for him. So yeah, but I think this is. Just, I think that was his only acting, quote unquote, appearance. Um, then we have Zachary. That even, even Moody knew who Zachary was. I, I knew who he was. I wasn't sure what he looked like or whatever. I, I've heard of him, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff. So, but he was in. He was supposed to be in that Doctor Horror's Erotic House of Idiots, and oh. we talked to. Remember, we talked to Debbie Sean about right. it. She was supposed to be in that, but there's somebody. They like he wasn't able to, so they got somebody else last minute, and that's why certain things happened in that movie. But. Uh, so Zachary, I mean, has sort of had a career for these B movies, you right, know, hosting. Right, 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 right. And he was sort of like I viewed him in this movie as sort of the Criswell, you know, yes. right? He was the person who introduces the movie, and then you know we see the movie, and then he ends it. But he also was in the middle of the movie, popped in pop, and popped right, in, right, and right, right. was like, I think he said like, is it over yet or something? You <laughs> know, wasn't he like dozing off or something? He he's the one with the with the wonderful drool cup that he a drool has cup. tied to his face. Drool cup. Because that's what you do. You you go to a movie, you get a drool cup, and uh, which is like a little plastic or a little paper Dixie cup. That you that with the strings wrapped around you and then put on your mouth, right? In case you drool. Well, I get, and in this type of movie, you sort of just become mind numb at, at times, maybe, and maybe, maybe. You're just expecting just to. I, either that or over. huge amounts of drugs yeah. were needed to be ingested in order for you to. Like, yeah, so drug. maybe people were drooling. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, in addition to being the the quote unquote host of the film. Um, Zachary actually, you know, he shows up at a few things. Like he, we were doing basket case for um, uh, our our Patreon uh, cast, and um, he doesn't. He's not in that, but he does show up in several uh, Frank Henenloper's films. Okay. I wonder if he show, does. He show up as as the, the that type the the character he is in this that type of midnight host, or is he actually in like a, as a role? I don't, that'd be, that'd I be don't interesting to know actually remember, but I'm almost positive he, it's something similar okay. because yeah. clearly his acting range is minimal at best. His acting range is playing himself Pretty and much. stuff. And yeah. he, I mean, does a great he, job. He, he, found, like, he found his shtick. Yeah. He, was, he was just fun. It was because he oh. he's just riffing on the movie in the beginning and, you know, whatever. You I mean, know what I mean? It, it, yeah. Just like talking about bits and pieces and then just laughing maniacally for things that really aren't very funny. Well, I think the laughing also fit with um, Zed's pull and pan or pull and push. Oh, God, zoom yes. And zoom in and zoom out and zoom, in, in and out yeah, of focus. It's like out. I asked them when, after like about 10 minutes if, if this DVD came with um, uh, like like motion sickness pills. <laughs> yeah. Because it well, was a little awkward. It's a 16 millimeter film. So it is dark and grainy, and I'm telling you, man, shooting those kind of movies, you got to have the lighting down right, because if you don't, it's going to look like exactly what you just saw. And uh, so that's why it was such a big deal for the underground cinema uh, uh, organizations out there when digital filming came along, because it just meant that you could do stuff like this and have it actually look good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. actually looked clear. You could see things. Um, but before that, you had—I mean, you saw the, like all the splotches and the, the cuts and all the, the just the shitty 16 millimeter film that was being used and the editing. Oh lord, the editing was just terrible. Well, it was neat to see some of the like splotches and the stuff that popped up. Like, uh, you know, you could tell it was a film, you know, from that, like the grain and all that other stuff. Because you don't really see that anymore. Everything's no. all digital and everything's all clean and everything's all, you know. So going back and looking at a movie like this, you're like, oh, my God, that's actually kind of cool. That's it's neat. funny because I suspect that if a digital technology had been available, Nick said would have turned it down. He would have said, no, I um, want to use this. I want to use this, like, terrible, like, you know, 60 millimeter, you know, shit because. It's part of the motif. Uh, yeah. And I, I guarantee you, did, when was the last movie he made, do you know? Oh, uh, it would have been like 2008, 2009, something like that. So mini-DV or, or so, like digital was starting to 
starting to sort of come. I think it was werewolf do. bitches from outer space, which we're going to do. We're <laughs> going to do Werewolf bitches that. from outer space. Yeah. He's got some great titles. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Even Geek Maggot Bingo is. Just you wait till I show you some of the Reverend Jen shorts. There's so much fun. Well, you said earlier that Geek Maggot Bingo was not like, was like, there was no geeks, there was no mag, and there was no bingo. However, bingo is typically used for those, you know, 60s style beach movies. Beach blanket bingo and stuff like that. They don't play bingo in those movies. There's no bingo, but it's just... It's a fun word. It's just a fun word to use. And I think that's really... That was the uh, the feel at times of like what he was trying to accomplish in some way is that feeling of a fun, goofy movie where you're not taking yourself too seriously. Right, right. Well, I got the feeling, you know, like I said, I know he, he loved, wanted to be the next Andy Warhol. I think he was shooting for something kind of like Andy Warhol with a little bit of Jim Jarmusch or, or you know, uh, some of these other guys in there. Uh, Richard Kearns, perhaps, but ended up being more like Andy Milligan, who is known for making piss-poor, dirt-poor movies uh, in the 70s and, and early 80s in New York City, and uh, yeah. that's kind of where he ended up, or, or our Alien Beasts guy. Um, yeah, well, that I mean, that's a dude who did things in his backyard, right? you know, with his friends, kind of like this, I guess. This but... didn't have a backyard. It was a basement. This is like shooting in your basement. You have to make all these sets. You know, I'm surprised uh, the mom, uh, like, uh, was it Nick Zed's mom, didn't come out and go, go, honey, what are you doing, mom? Cut, <laughs> you know, because well, we, we did hear he wouldn't, he wouldn't he just let it keep it in there, probably. Yeah, we did hear, uh, we did hear him yell action. <laughs> you know, at one point, so yeah, it's you know, technically, it's it's bad, it's rough. It's and, I, and I'm wondering if the style, though, because there was a few times I was like, pan. Pan over, follow the action a little bit because we we the one guy was talking and Frankenberry was talking and we couldn't even see what he was talking about. Right. See him while he was yeah, talking. Yeah, nobody was in focus. Nobody was in frame. That's all part of the DIY punk ethic uh, that sort of came out in the '70s. You know, uh, go out and make your own damn movie, and it doesn't matter how good it is because you've made it yourself and you you trauma way of making a movie. Right, right, um, right. That was, I mean, Troma came after this, I think, right? Because Troma, I think, was oh, in yeah, the 80s. Oh, yeah, it came after, yeah. Yeah, it came after this. So, I mean, this is something that Troma well, would have probably liked. What was it? Was it 82 that was um, Toxic Avenger? Yeah, it's, it's right around that time. Yeah, around, around that around time. That time. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm surprised Troma didn't pick this up, you know? Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I think even Uncle Lloyd would have looked at this and said, yeah, no, pass. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. He didn't even, they didn't even really care for... Cannibal, the musical, until I'll tell you its what, success. If we manage to get Lloyd Kaufman on our show, and God, I hope we do, I would love to ask him and ask him. I'm sure he knows who Nick Zed is. I'm sure he's seen the movies. You know, uh, Nick Zed may not have wanted to have it distributed like that. He may have just said, you know, I want to keep this as an art piece. Well, he's New York, and so is Troma's New York. So yeah. I'm like, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm surprised Uncle Lloyd wasn't like, Nick, you're terrible, but. You're terrible the trauma way, you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. There, there's probably some behind the behind the scenes. They they probably they, they might have known each other. They might not have got who knows. It, it's a fascinating yeah. idea. That that period in the 70s and, and early 80s in New York City, there was just a real flowering of different stuff. Most of it good, some of it kind of crappy, but it's a lot of interesting stuff. And um, I don't know. I get the feeling Nick Zed probably would have thought that even trauma would have been too commercial for him. Really. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, no, never mind. I get that feeling, yeah. Not not trauma. He was very, very much an independent person, wanted to do his own thing. Whether it was good or not was immaterial. And it it couldn't be on, like, late-night USA stuff because of the nudity and stuff, so it wouldn't fit that. Well, They they would have to trim some. Back in the day, you could probably get it on public access TV um, on UHF, Hmm. but I don't know, not today. Uh, (laughs) Netflix isn't going to show this. Tubi might. Tubi might. Tubi's been very like uh, weird about their movies. They've been like taking pretty much whatever right now. Mm-hmm. So well, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with all of Nick Zed's films now that he's passed away. I don't know if that uh, who owns the rights. Yeah, if the rights have passed on to somebody else. Um, like I said, uh, Jen Miller was involved in a lot of stuff later. I don't know if she, he was 
involved with her. They were they were together for a while. Okay. I don't know whether. See, I'm thinking Donna um, Death was right before this, and then like they were dating, and then it's you possible. don't know, you don't know, and nobody. I mean, unless it's like been documented somewhere or whatever, we won't know. But that's my only guess because she did do a lot, mm -hmm. and unless like usually when there's a guy and a girl doing like all the work and everything together, it's usually that they're dating, mm -hmm. you know, or something, or there's something going on. Sometimes no, some, you know, whatever, but, uh, you know, you never know. But I don't know whether you noticed, but when the, it was going through the credits and it showed like the, uh, the copyright, it said 1982, 1983. So my feeling is, is this was probably shot during 82 and it was finally put together and released in 1983. So, that means this was around the same time as, like I said, uh, Toxic Avenger, also Basket Case. And we're talking about the same locations and same people and same vibe that's going on. This sort of seedy, scuzzy New York City sort of thing that was going on at the time. But it shows you what talent can do. <laughs> well, it shows you what... what, what People who want to make this thing will go out and, and accomplish. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, whether they've got the money or not. Because you look at somebody like Frank uh, Hinnenlotter, and you've got somebody like, you know, Nick Zed, and there's there's definitely a load of like you can tell Frank knows what he's fucking doing with right. with film. Like he knows how to shoot a film. He knows how to direct. He knows how to get the actors to whatever. It's a weird stinky movie, but it's well done. It's yes, well, it's exactly. It's weird. It's it's out there. I don't know if you've you seen Basket Case. Uh, years ago, back back in my blockbuster days. Yeah, so it's a weird, weird movie, but at least it's got some, you know, like it's, it has, it's really well the, done. Does it have some of the Hollywood conventions, like uh, steady camera work and editing and yeah, music and stuff like exactly. that? Yeah, exactly. You can see things, you can hear things. <laughs> but that's and, one thing this it, this didn't have. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that as an insulting thing towards no, it. No, um, Maybe this is just the style that Zed had and that he really, um, it, it, it's just his vision. And if that's the case, that's... Well, cheap and shitty is definitely part of his vision. So there you go. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you know, and there's a lot of filmmakers today that still can't seem to figure out sound and, mm -hmm. and you know, we can't see anything or whatever, you but know. It, it interests me because it is very similar to Alien Beast. I know you, I, you haven't seen yeah. that, but that's a weird, terrible, stinky, awful, poorly produced film. But at the end, it's got this really weird, almost psychedelic claymation ending that was like, wow, if the movie had been all about this, I'd have had a much different, mm -hmm. you know, view of it. Similar in this film where that whole thing with the skeleton and the, the special effects where the, the stuff's coming out. I mean, it looked terrible, but at least some effort and money was put into those effects. So well, yeah, that was, that my was only problem with Tyler that, Smith. My only problem with that scene was that it went on a little too long. Oh, yeah. Well. And I'm a lot, I think a lot of some of that stuff was padding for to make it to an, uh, to an hour and 14 minutes, you know, because mm. that's probably, you know, hour 10 minutes was probably the time that they had to have for a feature. So they had to make it as long as they possibly could. I'm kind of glad it wasn't longer, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, and most, most of Nick Zed movies tend to be less than an hour. Oh, like, wow. Like a lot of amateur, uh, you know, filmmakers that we, we covered. But he does have several longer features, and this is one of them. This is his first one, and the one that he'll be most famous for. Really? You think so? You yeah, think this I is think the one so. people remember? I think so. And by? Yeah. Well, looking at the DVD, it didn't look like there was a commentary. It would be kind of interesting to hear him talk about what, just from his perspective. Uh, um, actually, I think I saw an interview with him on YouTube or something. So I was like, because he looks, because, you know, when you said Richard Hell, I really thought that was Nick, because I remember Nick having this, like, long brown hair looking very punk-like, mm -hmm. you know, like what the uh, 80s punk scene looked like, Joey Ramone-type yeah. look to him. Well, it's funny, because Richard Hell, in addition to playing all these punk bands, he's kind of insisted that he's the guy that sort of established the look of the whole punk scene with the with the weird hair and and, and all that, so that's it probably it's debatable. Was. Maybe I don't know. Uh, you know, 
But that's one of the things that he claims. So. Oh, yeah. So people go around and they're like, oh, I want to be just like Richard Hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a couple of um, uh, the musical points in the film where they started to go into a little bit of a rock thing. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is good. And then it just cuts. Yeah. And, and right. it, was like, it only played for a few seconds and it was gone. It was yeah, like, you're right. You got excited about <laughs> that, didn't you? I was, I was like, oh, I like this. Gone. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it had no coherent flow in my mind. And, and that's where I had no experience with this type of. Um, movie, movie, <laughs> right. uh, this type of cinema that, that, that I'm used to a little bit more of a uh, continuous narrative flow and it's some of the more Hollywood conventions, if you will. Well, this, it's this because has a little bit different. most of the other ones are done by people who knew what they were doing. Right. <laughs> See, you haven't hung out with Paul enough where <laughs> Paul, this is Paul's thing. Oh, Paul yeah. knows these movies. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I kind of joked a few times about, well, you haven't, I, I've been lucky and you haven't really, so I, I think it was sort of a badge of honor to say, okay, well, it's time for me to. It's to time. You're, you're now indoctrinated into the thing. Yeah. But sometimes we throw, sometimes we throw people like Angel Bradford, she oh, got, yeah. uh, she got the, uh, the car carpet monster movie. Uh, what oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, um, um, uh, Creeping Terror. Creeping Terror. And that's a, that's a rough one to watch. Uh, I still think it's a lot better than fucking which Paul thinks it is, but oh, whatever. It's terrible. You know. But um, it's fun. But it's fun, you know. Yeah, well, Angel Bradford's a gritty chap. I knew I could throw her in the deep end and she'd swim just fine. Yeah, and she did. And she actually <laughs> wanted more, so that's good. I know. That's always get her fun. Back. Well, you can get her on the, the other one of, the, one of these films, I'm possibly. I'm dying to hear what she would have to say about this. Just Jen would... would I'd, I'd have had so many bruises on my shoulder from her punching me. Actually, you know who would have loved it? Kate, Kate Phoenix. Kate Phoenix. Yeah, yep. or Rebecca Reinhardt. Yeah. Those two would, like... They, if those two watched this movie, they would, like, fucking fall in love. I was thinking... I was definitely thinking Kate would like this one. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe when she comes up, we can do, do a, a Patreon only Patreon at, only. at yeah. some point. Yeah. She would love it. Mm -hmm. is, uh, that, is that reason for you to watch it again? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You won't have me. I'll, I'll I, leave. I love showing it to folks who have never seen it, never heard of it, and have no idea what to expect. Mm -hmm. Look, this is a terrible movie, but I've seen worse. In a way, like well, you show me worse. Mm -hmm. I've I've sat here for worse movies. With that being said, this is still fucking terrible. Like this is not you know good at all. Like no, there's nothing good. I don't think there's anything about redeeming this. about this movie. No. We well, said this is the first time you watched it in thirty or so. Well, a, a while. It's, been, it's been a few. It's, it's been, been I, five or six years. Five or six years. Yeah. yeah. Well, with Gary. Was that the last person you watched I it with? I think he was the last person I tormented oh. with this. I'm sure he had a few, few um, yeah, he's humorous to, comments about he's, he, it. He <laughs> slogged through some of the worst ones with me. So. Joe Lynn said that her and what her boyfriend had got tortured by you on a movie or whatever. You brought Sex Squatch yeah, over and stuff. If you had brought this over, they would have just, like, her boyfriend would have been like, you can't hang well, out with that guy Well, it's funny. Anymore. I brought Wang Wang, and Wang Wang is adorable. It's a fun little movie. And then I, okay, I went a little far with the sex watch. That, that, was, that, was, that was immediately being pushed in the deep end. <laughs> that would be like me bringing in Ski Wolf, yeah. you know, to these people. Or any Chris Seaver movie is, like, you got to be on the I've done careful. That. I, I actually had a couple other friends that I introduced, and, I, and that was the first thing I showed them. And, yeah, they never wanted to see any of the movies ever again. <laughs> Scared them away forever. You scarred show. these poor I people. I think so. But Sex Squatch is like, you know, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's uh, you know, uh, Citizen Kane compared to this. I mean, so, really. So it's funny. I mean, sort of told story bits and stuff about this movie, but we didn't go into the story. And I was just thinking about there is no story. Not really. Like, there's nothing really. We can't really dive deep into it because really the story is this mad scientist guy dr frankenberry wants to uh well he's experimenting he's doing these weird experiments or whatever it is da uh, daughter buffy doesn't like it uh this uh what's her name suck uh was it um, scumbelina scumbelina she she starts uh turning everybody into vampires as you do as you do and then they need something to destroy the vampires so, so he changes he, his experiment to create formaldehyde. Formaldehyde man. man, because I guess formaldehyde destroys vampires. I don't know. It, In the it meantime, worked. there's a there's a cowboy. I guess they need to take his essence and put it into formaldehyde man. I guess I I, 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 I missed that too. What? what yeah, what I don't really think there was. I think there was just the. I thought he was going to be formaldehyde man. Uh, the. Yeah. Uh, I thought they were going to use him as the they, as the thing. They, but they tied him to a beach chair and. Uh, 
And that's what the little blinky things were, oh. the, the scratching the film you know, that came from the lights, that was that was the thing. Yeah, and so they created this guy, this formaldehyde man, which is like a, a character with two heads and three arms and three legs. I'm and dying to show this to Lenore because of the hard, hardcore science that uh, was going on. And the science of this movie was just a bunch of random knobs that the guy was just twiddling back and forth. <laughs> we said and that looked it. like a soundboard or something. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, at one point it was a soundboard, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they had all these things, and then... Uh, formaldehyde man kills the one guy, the guy or whatever, because he bites his neck and, and, and dies. And it's great because, you know, uh, well, Dr. Frankenberry yeah. is just spouting out nonsense to over all this thing. He's like, hey, we're going to use the cosmic transference of blah, 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 blah. It's just so much ketchup. You know, it's 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 yeah. just garbage. Formaldehyde, formaldehyde man, ran, they ran, he ran into like this, out in the middle of nowhere, Ran into this guy trying to pawn something off or something. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then, Where did he get He was trying to, I don't know if he was just trying to do a door-to-door sale. Well, I don't know what he was. He was an excuse for them yeah, to be able to somebody rip, head. His, rip his yeah. head off. Rip his head off, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, he couldn't rip off anyone else's head. But And then you see the pulsing bag in the back of the guy's, the back of the neck of the disembodied head. And then you see the head fly, and the head's like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, just... and then it sits there, and he's like, is there a doctor in the house? Yeah. <laughs> and then Fermata Hyena picks it up and, like, holds it and carries it, and it's like the camera just slowly, it just quickly zooms in on on the head. On that the reminded head me a little bit of uh, Forbidden Zone, which was around the same time. So maybe... Remember the head was flying around? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just funny. It's just... Silly, silly stuff. It was not meant to be taken seriously. If you took this movie seriously, you're fucked up. Well, remember at one point that little sign shows up and says, uh, "Are you still here? It's not getting any better." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please or leave now because yeah, it's not getting any to, better. Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's like when you go into some of these movies that I've watched, and, and I don't have quite the experience in some of this. Oh no, that you, you guys have there with that. <laughs> but um. I go into it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to play by the rules that whatever the film is and try to live in that world. And still, with that said, it, it, this is difficult because there's so much things that you can't really, it, it, there's the narrative flow is kind of non-existent. Oh yeah, there is no flow. Um, and it's, it's awful. There are some humorous points though. That there are some laugh out loud moments. Oh yeah. But it, it, was it intended? I guess... Nick Zed's the only one that can really say if it was. Probably, yeah. probably not, but he pretty much knew from the get-go that he wasn't going to have the money to <laughs> do anything He's like, get-go, and it sounds yeah. like get-go. <laughs> so I'm sure he knew what he was going to end up with. So That was that was the thing. The character was named Geeko, and, uh, but his real name was Gecko. Mm-hmm. So they just kept calling him Geeko and pissing him <laughs> off with that. Like, And he ends up with a rather unfortunate uh, fate where he gets his face rearranged by formaldehyde man. That's right. I forgot about the face rearranging. Well, well, the, you know, he got taken by Scumbelina um, and sort of to taken over mind-wise to... to yeah, he was like know, a double agent. Yeah, double agent inside the with Frankenberry to try to figure out what's going on so she could take everything over. Why? Why wasn't there a Count Chocula there, too? <laughs> That would have been so awesome. What count Frankenberry, Count Chocula, and what was the other one? Blueberry. Blueberry. I mean, I think they were already uh, like on the fence of getting sued if they like. I remember. I remember. Nobody would have seen this. I remember Frankenberry as a child, and I I think that might have been before this was made. But um, yeah, to your point, I don't know if the people that really made Frankenberry would have any. Interest in this? <laughs> what, who, who did it? Like Post or something, or one of those Kellogg? One of those General Mills. General Mills. General Mills. It was there, but yeah, it was just funny. It was like, God, if you if you've got Frankenberry, you might as well have Count Chocula. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they come fun. out. The, those those cereals still come out yearly and stuff like that once a year, and and uh, my wife always gets me to get one of them. Nice, oh, nice, Lord. nice. But yeah, so this was this was just kind of a train wreck of a film, and um, <laughs> that's that's putting it nicely. <laughs> but the, but the train wreck would have had to have been on in, on cardboard. Yeah, yeah so everything would have been the, painted cardboard. The tra- the cardboard train wreck that we watched, and we could not stop watching. And I remember the the, the uh, gecko's first victim because he like dresses up as a transvestite prostitute, <laughs> and then he brings in this one guy and. I, that whole soundless scene where it's just weird music and then I guess he gets him to take his clothes off and then 
he gets an axe and then chops him into two props, you know, a prop arm and a prop leg. Right. That was poorly. But I think, and I think one of the, I couldn't tell because the lighting, uh, uh, but it looked like the leg might have been black and the arm might have been white. Probably. Which, which, (laughs) continuity. (laughs) That dude kept looking at the camera like he was expecting somebody to tell him to do something. It was just, it's like, you could do another take to make it look better. You really could, Nick. You well, know. He, 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 I think he was sort of a king of one one takes, probably. Yeah. He was, then. yeah, I mean, that was the thing I noticed in the early beginning of the movie with the uh, two doctors talking to each other, that that was basically one long-ass take. They, oh, yeah. they didn't cut. Right. And it drove me nuts. <laughs> and so um, Chris Rolls, our, our camera guy that we use a lot, and he gets mad when when it goes too long for things. He's like, cut, cut, cut. And he like I started realizing, oh, shit, you're right. We Because he'll be, like, telling me personally, we need to have cut here so we can, you know, have cuts, you know, throughout whatever, right? Totally makes sense for A, editing purposes, and B, for the, for the audience, you know? You don't want, well, you know, to bore people. In that case, I wasn't bored because that's when they had let the cat out, the little kitten. <laughs> oh, and yeah. the kitten was wandering all over the place, and that's what I was really paying that's attention to. That's what you were to. focused on, focused is the, on kitty. the kitten. It knocked over a little picture. Knocked over stuff, and then, you know, they were going to pick it up, and he's got his claws in the, in the phone thing. Lenore and... would have loved the kitten, but would not have loved that it got placed into a bag. Well, he got pulled out of the bag, and then they just put him in the bag and, and zips the bag up. And, and like... you, you noticed. Did you, did you notice the kitten, didn't you? The kitten was one of his quote-unquote proof experiments, and he had like magic marker, colored magic marker I was, drawn on the cat. I, saw, I noticed he was colorful. To make yeah. it look like it was supposed to be stitching. Yeah. Oh, like that's, that's I was like, just I was sad. Like, I was like, <laughs> poor kitty. I, I would say, did they add that in, in post? But no. No. No, not no. no. There's no. nothing they, they added probably, in post. And, and I'm sure or that, fix it in post. No, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> There's no the, fix the, it. I don't know if there, how much post there really was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think um, this that movie was monitored by um, uh, animal. No, thing. no, 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 Peter, no. It was, it was before the time of that, or, or even if that was in action. I'm it, it, dying it was, to know uh, if it was like somebody's pet cat, like maybe it was Donna Death's cat or something. I, I don't know. Probably that's that's her executive producer. <laughs> she she provided the cat. Yes, Frank and Kitty. Frank and Kitty, Frank and Kitty would have been a great movie. Would have been a lot more fun than this one. Uh, tell that to uh, Steve Rosinski. Maybe he'll make a me meowry, uh, freaking meowry. Frank and meowy. Frank and meowy. Be his follow up to Curacao. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Mm. All right. Well, we are at that point too. On okay. The, yeah. Sounds good. So we have to score this film. And for the benefit of those who have not been in our show before, we usually score a movie one to ten, by which the Lower the score, the better the film, and the higher the score, the stinkier it is. So think about it as uh, Limburger cheese. If there's a lot of Limburger cheese, it's going to stink. So yeah, if there's only a little bit, not so much. So that's how it is. And so when we give our scores, we take three of them, we add them up, and then we figure out what was the stinkiest movie of You can the also do 0.5 if yes, you, you need to. No, no, no 0.75. Though. No. 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 Yeah, it's, it's, it's all or nothing. It's, it's those numbers. Okay. There you go. It's those numbers. So, Mr. Moody, I'm going to go to you first. Oh, this is a hard 10. <laughs> this is a hard 10 for me, buddy. And not getting a good hard 10, no. like some people would like. But it's I very mean, different. this isn't, this isn't uh, Miss Werewolf uh, more than 10 kind of thing. This isn't I wish I could give it a 20. Dave the Rock Nelson, your, number, your, your, your record is safe for now. Yes, for now. Um, until Paul finds somebody else <laughs> to torture us. Oh, he's got much worse. Oh, he yeah. knows. Um, so, what about you, Joe? You're well, I'm I'm always in the in the in the frame of mind that I've never seen the worst film, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I can't imagine that I have seen anything worse than this in my life. <laughs> and on that note, and I'm still thinking there's probably there might be a ten plus down the road in my life. But to your point. I have to go ten. Yep, yep, ten, ten, and, and and that's and that's not easy to say, but in some ways it is because if you experience this, you'll understand where we're coming from. <laughs> now I'm I'm wondering what Paul's gonna say because he does say he saw stinky. He's he has bad words. I'm gonna go to one. 
Oh, stop it! <laughs> don't don't John Ward this thing. That, that'll like instantly put it in like the better ratings of all the films. Well, we'd actually like put that. it in the middle somewhere. Yeah, yeah we'll put no. it in like it would be a twenty-one. No, if it were. I, the, clearly this is a ten. That's why I got this one. Mr. Moody said, "Finest the stinky movie for Joe." So I was like, okay, it's time. Yeah. Reach it to my stinky movie pile and pull it, out it, it comes out like a, a, I don't say gold box, maybe a poop colored box or there something. There you go. So, it's so far, Paul has gotten the the most one. Like, actually, all of them have been 30. Like, not, not all, all no, I mean, I'm saying all of the ones that were 30 have been Paul's so far. So this far. This season. Uh, yeah, this season. Okay, now, because you've had some 30s. I have one 30. Before. You came close, though. There were a couple alien prophecies should have been. I know. No, there's been ones that are supposed to be, should have been, but right. have no. Right, right. Um, now, this, yeah, this one, uh, now, yeah, I did only have 130 because I did. Zombie no, I have two, two 30s. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, yeah, last, last year I did two 30s, I think. So. See, it's not just me. <laughs> well, see, it seems like each season it's like it's, it's, it's getting close getting more and more 30 so it's like it's uh, you'd uh, think that wouldn't you so, <laughs> we've had some good movies though i mean drunken wu-tang that was a good one that got a good score yeah so yeah so but paul paul's been uh bringing the stink this season so yeah, far yeah. and uh that's i mean that's what sort of what we wanted this year is this is the fifth season you know Let's do a few of those. But, like, I mean, obviously we can't. There's thirty. There's going to be 36 episodes, I think, or something like that. Or whatever. Spreading our stinky wings out a little bit more. Yeah, we can't but do But, yeah, we got more episodes this season, so we, we got to fill it up. Got to fill it up with some stink. <laughs> <laughs> some shitty movies, man. Oh, yeah. Well, the yeah. shittier, the better, right? Well, well this, is, this is definitely... Um, uh, Cream rising to the top. There or, you go. Stink, stink into the bottom. And we've got we've got more Nick Zed movies are coming. Um, definitely some short films because we will have them for short film Saturday. And uh, yeah, so there you go. We got enough stuff coming this and, year. And from, and from the little bit that I've heard in, um, in uh, of Nick Zed now uh, from these discussions and all. I think he might have taken this as a badge of honor. Yeah, probably. He would. He would be like, "Wow, yeah, you know, <laughs> I got, I got a 30. Yeah, I think he was definitely rooting for a thirty if he was here. I, I mean, if if there are there are certain filmmakers that have made thirties, you know, or whatever. Like, there's Neil Breen. There's, um, I don't know, uh, Tommy Wiseau. I'm sure has you know whatever. Uh, you know, the guy made Birdemic. You know, has pretty pretty bad movies. And stuff, but uh, um, and I'm sure we'll get more um, Cullen and we'll get more Milligan, uh, and there's all kinds of more people showing up that we haven't even gotten into yet. Yeah, there's some people Paul hasn't even tortured us with yet. It's coming yet, (laughs) yet, because you know that's the plan of the show. Is uh, I mean, I think when we first started out, it was the plan to kind of just show fun movies that we both enjoy some are stinkier than others or whatever uh you know suburban sasquatch and stuff like that but then it became it became more of like oh man we need to we need to get some stinky ones up there you know <laughs> because they were always the most fun yeah and that's why there's different types of podcasts in, in the videos too you could you can go into other avenues for like the the prestigious films in other ways or and we do like yeah we, we do, do exactly. what hollywood yeah. boulevard podcast in the film freaks and stuff like that criterion, so criterion watch, watch. Yeah. so yeah there's there's definite places in, in, and in, in and the thing is most these. most people cover those kinds of films mm-hmm. i guarantee you there ain't very many podcasts or vidcasts out there covering geek maggot bingo not many. Not I, many. I guarantee there are pretty. There might be some, well, and and just they they look for the ones that are just like you. You know, they look for the ones that are lower. I Red Letter Media I don't think has covered uh, Geek Maggot so. Bingo yet, and it's probably because either nobody sent it to them or they just have never found it. You know, or whatever. It's nice to know that we can outstink Red Letter Media, Riff Tracks, uh, Mystery Science Theater, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, Cinema that's Science. what we're always looking for is movies that they're not going to cover or something when we do our well, stinky ones. Well, there's just so many of them out there. There's a ton. And fortunately, between you and I, we have a lot of them. You know? Yeah. We do. You tend to have more of them. The later ones, I tend to have more of the earlier ones. But between us, we have a lot. Yeah. So we are prepared. And sometimes Paul likes what I get so much that he goes and buys it himself. Yes, yes, you yes, know? yes. Much as ankle biters 
you know, pained me and, and tormented me, I went out and bought it. But you want it, you know. Like, it's not a movie that may, maybe uh, you can make other people be, you know. Uh, you just have to turn it up really, really loud. I call it sharing the love. Sharing, well, sharing well, is caring. If, if the title, this was Geek Maggot Bingo, and we had a card, and we were playing in the bingo hall. Bingo. There you go. Bingo. Bingo. Yes. That's the score. 30. 30. <laughs> 30. It's got a bingo. Yes. It's got yeah. bingo. Yeah. All right. There Friends forever. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. It's a magical day. It is a, it's a, sure is a magical day. Um, so that, thank you so much for picking this, Paul. Um, Joe, thank you so much for coming back. We hadn't had you in a while, I guess, on Indie Film Cafe. And it's been, I know, an up and down last couple of years for you. For me, too. It's been crazy. Yeah. But so we're, we're, we're welcoming you back. back, you know, in style. Yeah. Well, well st style happened with this. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Saving Nick Zed for you. I told you it was time. And you you got so excited. I was like, we're doing Geek Mega Bingo. And oh, you're like, oh, really? No, because I got excited because you were we mentioned this and I even I, I saw that Nick Zed had died and I you know, I, I, of course he already knew and I, I wrote to him and said, you know, we gotta do, you gotta do Geek Mag. You keep threatening to do it <laughs> and you just haven't done it's it like yet. It's like the sword of Damocles hanging over our heads. At some point it's gonna fall and finally fell. But I just didn't know who he would show it to because, you know, I, I didn't, I don't think just Jen could handle this. No. <laughs> uh, Joe Lynn probably could, but like you tortured her with Die Hard Dracula. I did. You know, wow. but she liked it, you know. Well, I remember we got her with that. We got her with uh, Santa Claus meets the Ice Cream Bunny, and we got her with Fun in Balloon Land. So yeah. it was time to give poor Joe Lynn a break. And Sextet. And Sextet. So I, she's I, I think I need a Criterion or a Film Freaks to wash it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay because uh, you, uh, your next film with me will be a little bit better. I think. I hope. I hope you'll like it better. If not, uh, well, sorry. It was a memorable experience. That's standing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for checking this out. Join us next, I guess it'll be two weeks from now, will be the next episode. Join us for the next episode of, of Indie, Indie Film, Film Cafe. Cafe. Have a good one. Bye, Bye everybody. All right, everybody. Higgly, uh, wiggly, wiggly. Hootie, tootie, disco cutie. Large, what do you say, large floppy horse penis? I do say that from time to time. <clears throat> Interesting. <laughs> wow. E.